0: We continue in the book of Proverbs this morning in our series called Wise Words Lessons from Proverbs. And as we've been uh, within this larger series uh, through the fall season, uh, we're taking a few weeks to listen to the wisdom that God has for us regarding our relationships. So if you were with us last week, we talked about wise words for good neighbors. Uh, This week, we're going a bit deeper with friends. Next week, Focusing on family, and you might think, "Well, do I really need wisdom for friendships? I mean, that's not complicated. I mean, little little kids go to preschool and make friends. It's it's simple, right? Well, it may be true at one level, but but I also know that maybe you've heard the same. That in spite of our hyper-connected world of technology and social media, surveys show that feelings of loneliness are on the rise. In fact, two out of five people in the United States report uh, being lonely, feeling lonely. 36 million people in in our country live alone. That's 28% of all households. Uh, Throw on top of that the isolation of the response to COVID and then racial tension and political division pulling people apart. And as a culture, we could be as lonely as ever. And that takes a toll on us. Some researchers have even claimed that, that uh, loneliness and social isolation can be as damaging to health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Now, I don't know if that's true, but some say. So, this is a real issue. It's an important one. So, no matter whether you feel satisfied or unsatisfied in your relationships, your friendships, the wisdom the Bible has for us today is essential. Uh, the Proverbs have a lot of different things to say about. Being a friend, about friendship. We're going to focus our study this morning in this way. Here's the question Why is it so good to have a friend and be a friend who is faithful? you find this at the top of the outline on the back of the worship folder. You may find that helpful to follow along there. Why is it so good to have a friend and be a friend who is faithful? We'll answer that by meditating on four Proverbs. And as with many Proverbs, they're going to give us a new perspective, maybe a twist on what you thought you knew. Um, here is the first insight on the importance of faithful friends. Part one, more than words. So here's Proverbs 20. Verse 6, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man, who can find? Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man, who can find? Now, if you're a single woman this morning who would rather be married, you might think, well, yeah, tell me about it. Good man is hard to find. Where are they? Now, this proverb is certainly applicable to marriage, but the kind of relationship described here is broader than that. So so even though the word friend, you know, our theme today, does not appear in this proverb, I think this proverb fits best in our sermon on the topic of friendship. By this point in the series, I hope that you are growing in your skills in reading and interpreting the proverbs. They, They usually have two lines that work together to make one point. How do these two lines work together? Well, you say, uh, well, it looks like there's a a contrast going on, right? Because the most obvious clue is the second line begins with but. uh, And you notice, well, many a man in the first line and a singular man in the second. Okay, there's a contrast. Uh, And 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 even, I mean, I say one in the second line, it's not even sure that we've got one. I mean, it's it's that... uh, the situation is that dire. So it's, it's easy to find, uh, you might think, okay, so what is it saying? It's, it's easy to find someone of steadfast love because they are plentiful, but it's hard to find someone who's faithful because they are so rare. Well, that's not exactly it, because in Scripture, steadfast love and faithfulness are, are often paired t- together. They are overlapping qualities. We see that in the many, many verses uh, of Scripture that describe God in just this way. Just one example, Psalm 100, verse 5. Remember how that psalm ends? For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Do you hear how those are in parallel? They're in tandem. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. Those, those things are, are uh, much the same thing. The contrast here in the proverb, then, is not between two different character traits. The pivotal word is that word proclaims in the first line. So there may be many who will say they care about you. There may be many who claim they are committed to you. They might be very verbal. They might, they, they might be very uh, uh, emphatic about it, effusive about how committed they are to you. But finding someone, finding even just one who really loves you, who really sticks with you, that's a lot harder to find. You, you know this to be true. And you say, well, it's not very encouraging. Thanks a lot, Proverbs. I mean, I'm, I'm discouraged now here. What's, but what's the wisdom here? What is the insight that we need? First is a caution. Someone may say they're committed to you, but be careful. It's a lot easier to, to find someone who will tell you they'll be your friend. Uh, you can run into lots of people who will tell you what you want to hear, but their commitment to you erodes over time or maybe evaporates in, a, in an instant when things get hard. Be careful. Uh, another angle uh, to this proverb, beyond the, the caution, I think is one of uh, appreciation. Uh, it's appreciation for the true friend, who is all the more valuable because he or she is so rare. If you found a friend like that, consider yourself Blessed. If you, it would be good and a good idea to maybe let them know how valuable they are to you, how precious they are to you, how much they mean to you. If you're not a, you know, a thank you note writing person, just, just tell them. It's, you know, it means so much to me to have you here at this time where, you know, remember that time, that one time when you were there for me and nobody else was? That, man, I still remember that. I still appreciate that. Even better, Knowing how valuable a friend like that is, commit yourself to being a faithful friend to others. Now, maybe that means don't commit to to more than you're willing to follow through on. Don't make, be slow to make promises, but keep the ones that you make. But wouldn't it be, think of it this way, wouldn't it be good to make steadfast love and faithfulness more common than it is in our world? Wouldn't it be good for us as a church to be a community where faithful men and women, true friends, are not hard to find? You know, it's like, well, I don't know if I have a, a friend at, at this church, or if I have a good friend, or I haven't made a lot of friends here. That's, that's a concern, but of course, we also have to think about what are we looking for in a friend? What does it mean to be a friend? Are we looking for people to hang out with? Uh, that's good. But but what, what really gets at the core of friendship? The next proverb tells us more about what faithfulness in friendship means. So here's part two. Through thick and thin. Proverbs seventeen, verse seventeen. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. Well, how do these two lines work together? It's it's not a contrast like the last one, right? It's two similar things that together give us the full picture. And each line helps us interpret and understand the other. So, by itself, a friend loves at all times. It could mean, well, like at all times of the day, morning, afternoon, evening, 24-7, 365 days a year uh, throughout, all, or throughout all the seasons of life. That may be true. But the significance of the phrase at all times is made clear in the parallel of the second line, adversity. So, a friend loves at all times, not only, not only in the good times, but also in the bad times. Which means... You know who your friends really are by the ones who stick with you in the hard times, right? When it says a brother is born for adversity, it's, it's not in contrast then to a good friend, but just another angle. You could almost say that this is why you have a brother or a sister. Your, your parents wanted you to have someone. Even God wanted you to have someone for those times when you need someone by your side. It's like they were born for those moments. Now, in this sermon, I'm focusing on the relationship of friends, not family. So let's, let's go a little deeper on that side of things. When life is going well, when things come easy, we tend to think a a friend is just someone to have a a good time with, right? Uh, Someone who's funny, maybe the life of the party, uh, nice if they're good looking, Uh, even better if that friend has a boat, maybe a beachfront condo that they'll let you use. Uh, Tickets to the game, yeah, yeah. These are good friends to have, right? Yeah, Well, I hope you're not friends with someone just for the, the benefits, the, the things that come with them, because if that's the case, you know, stop and think. You don't really love them, right? You love what they do for you, which means you love you. Uh, you're, you're not a true friend at all. And now, now turn that around. Beware the friend who hangs out with you when you're having lots of fun, but is nowhere to be found when you are in crisis. That's what we call fair-weather friends, right? The, The wisdom of the proverb says a friend loves at all times. A true friend, the best kind of friend, is not the one who's the most fun, but the most faithful. A friend in need is a friend indeed, we say a friend in your time of need. Someone who is a friend to you when you are in a time of need is a true friend, a friend indeed. So when you are cleaning your flooded basement or exhausted from running back and forth to the hospital and you say, I can't, to that friend, I can't believe that you would be here to help. And what do they say? That's what friends are for. They get it. They know it. Do you see why it's so good to have a friend, to be a friend who's faithful? It's important. We, we need one. We need to be one. But here, this next proverb, though, seems to throw a wrench in the whole idea that a friend loves at all times. This is part three. Tough love. Proverbs 27, verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Profuse, plentiful. Uh, they're, they're just showering you with, with kisses. Now, what is going on in this proverb? You've got these phrases that don't seem to make any sense at all. Wounds from a friend, kisses from an enemy, that seems to be completely turned around. Don't wounds come from enemies? Don't kisses come from friends? Uh, and, and, so you have to ask. You're, you're, it, this, is, this is part of what the proverb is doing. It's, it's slowing you down. It's saying, you, you're going to have to think about this. What kind of wounds are we talking about here? Well, the clue is actually in the previous Proverb, the the verse that comes just before this. So if you have your Bible open there, you can look at the verse just before this, uh, chapter 27, verse 5. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. In other words, someone who is willing to confront you, to challenge you when necessary, is better than someone who may care but remains silent when they should be talking to you. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Now, important, very important side note here. This means the wounds uh, are not literal abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, spiritual abuse, whatever. We're not, we're not talking about that. This is not excusing an abusive friend. Not at all. On the other hand, there, this is wisdom that we desperately need Be, precisely because it is counterintuitive, because it goes against our instincts, how we automatically think. If we assume that a friend loves at all times means a friend never critiques you, never confronts you, never rebukes you. See, the problem there is that we've confused love with affirmation. Now, th- this notion is, is rampant in our culture today. I don't have to tell you that. You, you know this. You see this all the time. If, if you don't uh, affirm my chosen identity, then you don't love me. If you don't agree with me, uh, approve me, affirm me, then you hate me. If you don't agree with me, then I'm not safe around you. All, all these kinds of things going on, right? And, and while we may recognize this this foolishness in its more extreme forms, but the reality is we might be just as guilty of that same thinking, of that same move when it comes to our pet sins. If you don't leave me alone to do as I please, well, then you are not my friend. You, I, I guess you don't love me if you're going to challenge me on that. I came across this uh, quote just this week, and I love it. It's from the Irish poet and playwright Oscar Wilde, not a Christian, but this is so good. He says, "A true friend stabs you in the front." (laughs) A true friend stabs you in the front. I mean, I love that. It gets right at what this proverb is talking about. Your enemy. We, uh, pr- profuse are the kisses of an enemy. An enemy will shower you with kisses, will, will flatter you, will lie to your face. Oh, yes, you're so great. You're, oh, you're fantastic. I, you're, you're perfect, just as you are. They will lie to your face, and they will stab you in the back. That's an enemy. Your friend, your friend is different. A true, stab, a true friend stabs you in the front. It, it feels like betrayal, it, it feels like they are against you when they say, um, you know, I think you're being a little hard on your wife. Or when they say, uh, you, it seems like you think you're controlling your anger. It looks to me like you're fueling it. And you say, who do you think you are? I thought you were my friend. Maybe they are. Maybe they're, maybe they're the best kind of friend, the kind of friend that you need. I, I know the, that those wounds, those wounds of a friend can go deep. I, I, I was thinking over this, uh, this week as preparing for this sermon, I, I know that I can remember specific instances where I've been taken aside and, and just confronted, and I can remember times going back to uh, you know twenty five more than thirty years when I was in my twenties, even when I was in my teens i mean those are those are some still some vivid memories i don 't know if you have uh, instances like that it, or even just ten years ago um, i don 't know if those are burned in my memory because I you know tend to be proud um, because i like to be I like to be right I like to think of myself as a you know a pretty good guy, and you know when somebody confronts you you 're like oh okay maybe i maybe i wasn 't as right or as good as i like to think of myself as and or, or maybe i'm just like you know most people we we just it's hard to take criticism well listen to the wisdom the insight of this proverb if you want to be showered with kisses you can get that from an enemy the wounds of a friend though painful are faithful to you they are, they're being true to you in that moment. They have your best at heart. This is, this is worth listening to. And this is the mark of a true friend. Being, being willing to tell you the truth about yourself even when you might not like to hear it, might not want to hear it. They're not against you in that moment. They are for you. That's faithfulness. That's a faithful friend. Those are faithful wounds from a friend. Now, remember what I said earlier? If you, if you only have that particular friend because of, you know, the, the stuff that they have that you get to enjoy, then you really only love yourself. Uh, similarly, if you only have friends who affirm you, you only love yourself, and they don't really love you either. But, assuming for the moment that you do have some flaws and shortcomings, you have some growth areas and even some sins, whom would you rather have critique you? Wouldn't you want them to be your friend? Someone who is on your side, someone who is for you, someone who loves you, someone who is committed to you and your good? Think about, uh, we were praying for Cammie uh, Van Dam just a moment ago. Going into surgery. Do you, want to, do you want to have someone put you under and put you under the knife of someone that you don't trust? Or someone who is like, we've heard in, in this whole region of the country, Loyola, this is the best place to go. This is the best doctor in the best hospital. That's where you want to go if you've got heart problems, if you you and I do have heart problems, let yourself go under the knife of someone who loves you, who really cares about you. Let yourself go under the knife with a true friend, someone you trust. Okay, so far... We've said that anyone can be a friend in good times. A true friend really shows himself, herself in times of adversity. Anyone can praise you. Anyone can compliment you. A true friend really shows themselves in, in loving critique. And recognizing that is wisdom. That's what the Proverbs has for us. We've got one more proverb to look at this morning. This is part four, best friend. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, this sounds a lot like our first proverb we looked at this morning, part one. The first line has many friends, the second line, just one friend. But where Proverbs 20, verse 6, seemed a little doubtful of finding even just one, here there's hope. There is a friend. But it's also more troubling. A man of many companions may come to ruin. May, may may come to ruin. It's not that having a lot of friends automatically uh, leads to bad things, puts you in danger. Rather, it's what's saying here is it's possible to have a lot of friends and still end up in trouble. Really? Now, See, there, there's going to be a especially to, uh, let's start with the, the ancient reader or the ancient listener, the person back in you know, Solomon's day, I guess, when he uh, gives this proverb, uh, they're, they're, they would have that that same instinctive, like, really? Because especially in the ancient world, having a big family was what you relied on rather than social security. Um, having a lot of friends was your insurance policy against disaster. Uh, so they would probably just instinctively disagree with this first line. How can that be true? A man of many companions may come to ruin. And even though today we have a lot of other kinds of safety nets, government programs and insurance companies, we, we think, well, yeah, if I have a lot of friends, I mean, I, I'm, then I've got a lot of help. Something as simple as, well, if I've got a lot of friends, then when I move, I'll have a lot of friends to help me load the truck or If I've got a lot of friends when I want to run for office, then I'll have a lot of votes and they'll uh, get their friends to vote for me too. Or if you have a lot of friends when you're in business, those relationships help drive sales. Yeah. How can this proverb contain wisdom? It doesn't make any sense. A man of many companions may come to ruin. But the second line helps us understand what the first is saying. There is a friend that sticks really sticks even closer than a brother and that implies that the many companions of the first line may abandon you when you really need them just having a lot of them is not what matters the the number of friends that you have is not important it's the quality the quality not quantity right when, when it's the difference between saving your skin and losing it all and, and those many friends abandon you, then, well, they're not really your true friends. So the, the first piece of insight here in this proverb is don't put a lot of confidence in a large number of shallow friends. You you may be able to brag on the hundreds of Facebook friends that you have, how many of them will show up at your door in an emergency? Hmm, yeah, not so many. Uh, you may be popular at a superficial level. Be, you know, a lot of people like you because you are pretty or smart or athletic. Or people speak highly of you because of your position in the company or in the community. But when you start to slide, they abandon you. When you start to sink, they jump ship. In that moment of need, how good would it be to have even one true friend? Just even one friend faithful friend. And maybe the insight for you in this proverb is to rethink your friendships, not, not evaluating your friends like, well, so who are my real friends? Uh, maybe you need to do that, but, but how, maybe a better, how am I cultivating a, a, a few deep, committed friendships Instead of just kind of skimming over the surface with a lot of different people. Now, we, we all have, there, there are different circles of depth. You're, you're going to have a lot of acquaintances. You're going to have a, a good number of people that you know, you know, sort of well. Even in this, this group, this congregation, you'll have some people that you know very well. Some people you just, you know, you can you know enough to know their name or you can say hi. And some you're kind of in the middle. You, you chat some, uh, every few weeks or a few months, but you don't, you don't see them often. Well, that's That's understandable. But you have to ask the question, how am I cu- cultivating a few deep committed friendships so that I have a friend, so that I am a friend who is faithful? And it all starts with the kind of friend that you are to others. Uh, I mean, that's not new. How, how to have a friend? Well, be a friend. Yeah, that's, that's common. We, we, we know that. But this is a good reminder. I, I think, though, that we, we can't we can't close this sermon. We can't wrap up this verse even without Jesus, right? Because even if you've been a Christian for, for a number of years, for decades I'm in this room, I know, um, no doubt you've heard it said, well, there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Well, that's Jesus, right? Jesus is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. And then maybe, you know, you've, you've grown up here in that. You've heard it over the years. And then, and then you get a little more, you know, sophisticated. You you get a little smarter, a little sharper when you're and you're educated in your biblical interpretation. You're like, hey, hold on, you can't just just jump from from this verse to Jesus. That's that's a little too simplistic. I mean, that might that might work in in a Sunday school. You know, hey kids, do you want a friend? Yeah. And who's the best friend of all? Jesus. Like, yeah, that's great. But you're like, no, no I'm sorry. That's, I've outgrown that. That's a little too simplistic. Maybe, maybe your objection is less intellectual and just more, more practical. You're like, oh, Jesus is my best friend. Come on, I, I just want someone I could have coffee with and someone who would listen to me. I, I get that. It's a real thing. Consider this proverb, though. Slow down. Listen to what it says Look at the profile we have here, and who fits it best. Sometimes we think of the word fulfillment as well that 's talking about prophecy, like prophecy, prediction, and then fu- or promise and fulfillment. Just think, think about how Jesus fulfills this proverb as and again a sense of a profile and who fits it best. Think what is the greatest Ruin the ultimate destruction that a, a human being can face. Well, e- eternal death, everlasting hell, as a consequence for your sin. And you can have the you can have the most powerful friends in Washington. Some someone who can just make that phone call can pull those strings. You could you know you could have you know President Biden, former President Trump on on speed dial, and they can't help you with this. You can, you can have all kinds of, you may have the backing of Bill Gates or Warren Buffett, and those wealthy friends cannot bail you out from the greatest ruin. Those powerful friends cannot offer you pardon from your sin. There is only one. There's only one person who, when you have a relationship with him, can save you from hell, can spare you from the final judgment. And how did he do it? Well, Jesus said, in John fifteen, thirteen, greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. That he lay down his life for his friends. And maybe I should even back up. I mean, if Jesus is the one who in one sense confronts us with our sin, who, who we, we want Jesus to be kind of the, the nice, um, you know, hang out and have fun guy. And we, we we get to know Jesus, and He's not just the 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 cardboard cutout of Sunday school. No, He's He's someone who says, um, "Repent, turn from your sin, and trust in Me." You're you're going in the wrong way. you, you know I I'd, I'd like to be your friend, but you're you've got some issues. And we're like, "Uh, I guess you're not my friend." Like, no, no, please don't don't turn away from Christ because He He, he seems to point out your flaws point out your mistakes your sins he is the friend you need he was kissed by his enemy the one who was unfaithful to him he was a brother born for our adversity he was born to save us he is God with us in covenant with us in steadfast love and faithfulness he is the one friend you most need he's one of a kind and yet he's not hard to find If you know him, then you are never alone, never abandoned. Turn to him in your loneliness. That's not a trite Sunday school thing to say. Start with Jesus. Turn to him in your loneliness. You you may never be wildly popular. You, You may never be surrounded by lots of friends and but lean into the one true friend, the truest friend. And and yes. Ask him for others. If you if you feel like you're alone in this world, ask him to give you the friends, the, the, the very human support of others who will walk alongside you through life. Learn from him what it means to be a true friend, and extend that kind of steadfast love and faithfulness to others. And I tell you that that takes the the common sense wisdom of, you know, you want to have, have friends? We'll be a friend. That's, taken, that's given you a lot more to work with. If you, if you love like Jesus, if you operate as someone who, who offers themselves in steadfast love and faithfulness, I care about you and I'm committed to you in, at all times through thick and thin. It's not just talk. I, I, I want to walk with you. You'll have peop- you. You may not be popular but you will have friends. I believe that to be true. If you don't know Jesus today, there is no other friend who is more important to have. And you can find him today. You can begin that relationship with him today as you put your faith and trust in him. He is offering you himself. Not, not just affirmation, not just telling you, you're, you know, you're great just like you are. No, he's going to press in But he's going to save you from ruin, and he will make you more like himself, the true and faithful friend. We would love to help you begin or continue a relationship with him in relationship in this community today. Let's pray. Oh Lord, as we pray to you in this quietness. I first want to lift up the lonely that are here this morning. Those who are aching. Those who perhaps have been wounded, not by a faithful friend. But cut and hurt and and are finding it difficult to, to trust, to to open their hearts again to a new friend, even maybe even to open their hearts to to you. God, I pray that in this moment you would assure every single person that there there is no one that needs to leave here without a friend, no one that needs to leave here friendless. God, would you press into our hearts today whether we are taking the step of faith for the first time or maybe maybe that we've walked in and and we've said, yeah, I, I believe all that stuff and yeah, I know about Jesus and yet we don't have a real personal, present sense of your friendship. The love that you have for us that is constant, committed, always there, always there. Never a time, as dark as it gets, never a time when you're not there for us. God, press into our hearts again how good it is to know you, how good it is to to have you as a friend, to have our Lord Jesus as a brother, as a friend. And Father, I, I know as a church, We we could we could do so much better, God. That that we would not be content with merely being friendly. We need to be friendly, yeah. But God, that we would not be content with merely being friendly, but that we would be friends—true friends, faithful friends—that that that we would uh, not be content with. Well, I've got my friend, so I'm okay. Uh, but that we would not rest until we know that that everyone is connected somehow. That everyone has someone they can they could call, they could turn to. To you, Lord, yes. But but in your name, being that kind of friend to others in need, we all need it. So God, we're we're bringing all these needs and all these desires, all these. Hopes to you. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you. Not only was he born for adversity, he gave his life for us. We'll continue to praise you and trust you, our faithful friend, in Jesus' name. Amen.